Welcome to the weekly sermons and studies podcast at First Baptist. Today's speaker is our senior pastor, Dr. Jeff Reynolds. Let's pray together. Lord, you are our mountain-moving God, and we confess together that you are able. There's nothing that we face that is outside the scope of your ability, and you love us so very much. And so, Lord, we pray that as we turn to your word, with thankful hearts, that you would show us yet again that you are truly almighty. We love you, Lord. And we ask these things, trusting you in Jesus' name, amen. Well, several months ago now, we began a journey through the letter of James, and today is our last day in James. So I want to invite you to turn with me to James chapter 5. James chapter 5, today we're going to look at verses 13 through 20. And if you are in the Red Pew Bible in front of you, that is page 1013. But through our journey of James, what we have seen is that God is calling His children to grow up. Salvation is not the goal of Christianity. Maturity is. And so once you cross the line of faith, you repent of your sin and say, Jesus, I'm a sinner, but I believe you're the Savior. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sin. I trust you and I will follow you. Once you have crossed the line of faith, that's the starting line, and now you're on a journey for the rest of your life to grow up to full maturity. That's what God wants from us. So as we trust and follow Jesus, we don't stay as we are. No, we're transformed by the renewing of our minds to become more like Jesus. We're transformed by God, and we're prepared for glory. That's what God is doing with us. He's preparing us for the everlasting life that we'll embrace because our life on this earth, when it comes to an end, that's not the end. No, that steps us into that truly everlasting, eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. So the process that we are in right now as we trust and follow Jesus is allowing God to show us the offensive ways in us, to take those out, and to change us so that we'd be more like Jesus. So that when the world sees us, they see more of Jesus and less of us. That's why we participate in things like Operation Christmas Child. That's why we participate in things like the Sunrise Thanksgiving Offering. That's why we host things like the Kentucky Baptist Convention and we're a part of that entity. Because we know that the gospel light of Jesus Christ is supposed to shine forth through us and make the world a better place. Well, do you know that the more we grow in maturity, the more clearly the light of Jesus shines through us, and the more blessed those around us really are. Well, James is going to bring his letter to a conclusion by calling us to pray, calling us to pray. In fact, that's the theme for today's message. By faith, we pray. By faith, we pray. Why is that? Well, I said at the outset that the message of God through James is not hard to understand. It's really not. Have you found that? Now, James is pretty straightforward. Sometimes he's a little too straightforward for our taste, right? He tells it like it is. So it's not hard to understand, but it's impossible to apply apart from the power of the Holy Spirit. So now, James is going to bring his letter to a close by calling us to utter dependence upon God in everything that we do. You say, well, what is utter dependence upon God in everything that we do? Here it is. It's prayer. Prayer. James chapter 5, beginning with verse 13. 
Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Our first point this morning is this. By faith, we turn to God. By faith, we turn to God. We are the, the sort of people who go to God first. In fact, our typical, normal, everyday posture is that we go to God before anything else. So if I'm suffering, I'm going to cry out to him. If I'm cheerful, I'm going to sing praises to him. If I'm sick, recognizing that God is the great physician, I'm going to call together the elders of the church and have them pray over me. Now, is that some sort of repudiation of medicine? Absolutely not. That is not some sort of repudiation of the medical treatments and medical advances and medical professionals that God has given us. I am personally thankful to live in 2022 when we have advances in techniques and treatments and medicines and professionals who are more skilled than ever before in the history of the world. I believe that is God's gift to us. But as a believer in Jesus, I go to him first. I go to him through it all. I trust and follow Jesus even through the journey. So if I'm enduring some sort of a treatment plan, or if I'm enduring some sort of a surgical treatment or some sort of medicinal treatment, I'm, I'm doing all those things faithfully. As long as medicine, uh, if the treatment is not sinful, I'm in, right? And, but through it all, what am I doing? I'm trusting that God is using those things as instruments in the Redeemer's hand to bring healing, to bring wholeness, to make me well. But I'm also recognizing this, that God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And if I'm a believer in Jesus Christ, in the event that my life on this earth comes to an end, like the Apostle Paul, I say, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. And I know it's hard for us to wrap our minds around. How could death be gain? Well, it's not if you're outside of Christ. In fact, it's hellish if you're outside of Christ. But if you're in Christ, death brings everlasting life. And so there's this, there's this mystery. But you know, when God says he has plans for us, plans to prosper us, not to harm us, plans to give us hope in a future, if we're in Christ, we often see that scope as being much smaller than it really is. No, if we're in Christ, his plans for us don't stop after whatever number of years we get on this earth. They continue. Do you realize he has plans for you in heaven? He has plans for you in glory? He has plans for you in the renewed earth? He really does. You're going to love him. So we turn to him. Verse 16. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. Our second point, by faith, we lean on God. So we trust in God, and we lean on 
God in all things. When we have besetting sin, we take it to God. When we're dealing with illness, we lean on God through it all. When God calls us to some sort of endeavor that's too big for us, you imagine God telling you to go tell the king, the wicked, evil king, it's not going to rain for three and a half years. What did Elijah do? He prayed. And in 1 Kings chapter 18, when God had said that the rain would come, Elijah went and prayed and sent his servant seven times to look to the sea for a cloud. And on the seventh time, there was a small cloud the size of a man's hand. And Elijah said, you better tell Ahab to get going before the rain stops him. What did he do? Elijah was just like you and me, just a human being. But he leaned on the Lord. What would our world look like if you and I took more seriously the call to lean on the Lord for everything? Remember in John 15, 5, Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from he, he said, you can do nothing. So we lean on the Lord. And then James concludes, verse 19. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Our third and final point. By faith, we return to God. By faith, we return to God. So again, we are a pre-committed people. And if we start to wonder, we come back. One of my favorite hymns is Come Thou Fount, written by Robert Robinson. And one of the verses says, Here I raise my Ebenezer, here by thy great help I've come, and I hope by thy good pleasure safely to arrive at home. Jesus sought me when a stranger, wandering from the fold of God. He, to rescue me from danger, interposed his precious blood. And then we sing, Oh, to grace, how great a debtor. Daily I'm constrained to be. Let thy goodness, like a fetter, bind my wandering heart to thee. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart. Oh, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. So if we wander, and we recognize that we're wandering, what do we do? Well, we turn around. And if we see a brother or sister in Christ wandering, what do we do? We love them enough to say, come home. Come home. You know, it's very interesting. This week, many of us will come home to family and friends for a special meal. It's not a harvest festival for us, although the harvest is wonderful. But it's Thanksgiving. To whom are we giving thanks? Well, the one who gave us life. The one who sustains us by giving us all things. The one who through Christ has promised us forgiveness and everlasting life. So it's only fitting that this day, God's people gather around his table as well. I want to invite our chairman of deacons, Mike Jones, and our deacon chair-elect, Commissioner Billy Ray Smith, to join me at the table. This is a, a little bit different. There's no turkey and dressing here. There's unleavened bread and the fruit of the vine. Why? 
Well, because when Jesus was in the upper room with his disciples celebrating the Last Supper, they were celebrating the Passover Seder, celebrating how God had been faithful years before. But Jesus said this meal was different. It was special because this would be the Lord's Supper, the new covenant in his blood poured out for all who would come to him in repentance and faith. And he says, as often as you eat this meal, do so in remembrance of me. So on this Thanksgiving week, we have much for which to be thankful, don't we? We really do. And so we gather around this table. Now, this table is just for believers. If you're not a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, please allow the elements to pass. But if you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you have received Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, we would invite you to examine yourself in prayer. As the elements are passing, say, Lord, show me the offensive way in me. Cleanse me. Renew my mind and my heart. I commit myself yet again to your lordship in my life. But then as the element comes to you, first the bread, then the cup, to take it and hold it and ponder its meaning. It's a symbol of the body and of the blood of Jesus. And then we'll all partake together. So, in the upper room, Jesus took bread and he broke it and he gave it to them saying, this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And he asked God to bless it. So before our deacons bring you this element, would you join me in prayer and ask God to bless it? Heavenly Father, this is just a small piece of unleavened bread. Nothing special about it in and of itself. But Lord, what it symbolizes is the most valuable thing in all the world and all of history. The precious body of our Lord Jesus Christ which was broken for us. So as we celebrate this meal together, through it, help us remember, in Jesus' name, amen. This bread represents the body of Christ, which was broken for you. Take, eat, and remember. The Bible tells us that after the supper, Jesus took the cup, and he said it was the cup of the new covenant in his blood. Henceforth and ever after, this cup would represent the precious gift of Jesus' blood poured out for us. As our deacons bring the element to you, we would invite you to take it, hold it. It's just grape juice in a cup. But what it represents is so much more. The blood of Jesus shed for you. Would you pray with me? Most gracious Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for your gift of everlasting life through Jesus Christ our Lord, through whose blood that was shed on Calvary's cross, we have been cleansed of all of our sin. As we consider the depth of meaning in this little cup, help us to remember Jesus Christ, crucified for us. In Jesus' name, amen. This cup represents the blood of our Christ that was spilled for us. Take, drink, and remember. 
And to conclude our sermon on James, I just want to quote James's brother, who was also Jesus's brother, Jude. Jude wrote in his one chapter letter, verses 20 through 23, this is at the bottom of your notes. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. And have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others, show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. God calls us to himself through Jesus Christ. And once we're in Christ, he calls us to grow up. That we might be the servants of God that he's saved us to be. My prayer for all of us, certainly myself included, is that that would be the story of our lives. So that when people look at us, they see less of us and more of Jesus. Thank you for listening, and we hope you'll join us next time. We'd love to connect with you. Just email connect at firstbaptistbg.org or call 270-842-0331.